From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. This week we're sharing another highlight from Rendezvous with French Cinema, our annual celebration of the variety and vitality of contemporary French filmmaking, co-presented with Una France. During this year's festival, we gathered producers from the U.S. and France to discuss the strategies and challenges of international co-productions. The panelists were David Hinojosa from Killer Films, Jay Van Hoy from Parts and Labor, Le Film du Bellier's Justin Turand, Gael Moreshi from Kenology and Flexus Films, and filmmaker Nathan Silver. The evening was presented in partnership with IFP and French in Motion, and it was moderated by the Film Society's Deputy Director, Eugene Hernandez. Let's go now to their conversation. And I think maybe as a way to start our conversation, let's get settled here for a moment. So why don't we do this? Why don't, as a way to get um, to break the ice, so to speak, and get uh, everybody's voice out there from the beginning, I'm going to ask, uh, and we'll start with Jay down at the far end. Um, no pressure, Jay. Um, introduce yourself. Again, I just said your name, but introduce yourself and then tell us something trivial about yourself. Just tell us something about Jay Van Oy. And everybody here will tell us something about themselves, again, to break the ice and give us a little insight into, uh, it could be anything. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm terrible with trivia, but, I, um, but I'm, my life is full of trivia. Um, it's trivial my entire life. No, I'm Jay Van Hoy. I'm a producer. I founded um, Parts and Labor, a um, film company that has been based in Brooklyn. Um, and we, with Lars uh, Knudsen, and we, um, we've produced about 25 plus movies. I think about, we've worked all over the world from South Korea to Scandinavia in, in Paris, as you saw, um, Canada, um, Armenia, Republic of Georgia. We've done some co-production work um, where we can within Europe um, and a lot of service production stuff, but have developed really good relationships with uh, the producers we've worked with overseas and in Canada. Um, the trivia is that as soon as this panel's over, I'm going to the airport and get on an airplane. So, are you going out to make a movie? Where are you going? I'm going for a meeting at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning in Los Angeles. So I have to be there, and that's what I'm doing. It's, and then I get on another airplane. It's not. It sounds really glamorous, as I can tell you. It's long security lines, and it's uh, it's not private. It's not or first for business. It's just like normal <laughs> air travel that everybody goes through. Very trivial. Welcome. Hi, I'm David Hinojosa from Killer Films. Uh, you saw some of our stuff. We worked together on Frank and Lola. We'd like somehow just remembered, actually. We did that film together. Um, and yeah, wait, that's right. I worked at Killer Films, too, as, a, as an assistant when I was just learning how to That's right. I forgot about that. Um, and yeah, we've done, I mean, Christine and Pam, who, who are, who've been doing it longer than me, I think they're in their 70s or 80s as far as number of features they've done. Kind of insane. Um, features, not years, and uh, something trivial. And we've done numerous co-productions, and we're about to do a, a, a pretty big one in a few months. Um, trivial things. Can you, us, can you tell us what that is in a few months? Or yeah, it's Wash Westmoreland's next film. Uh, the guy did Still Alice. Uh, it's called Colette, about the French poet, uh, played by Keira Knightley, and it's going to be in London and Budapest. And my trivial thing, this panel made me brainstorm today if I had my own film festival, what the panels would be. And my assistant and I decided there should be like a wig panel about like best like wig work. And I spent like, like 15 minutes talking about Jessica Chastain's wig in Most Violent Year and like really want to know more. So maybe that'll be here next year. Because it was a successful wig or because it was uh, a surprising I'm wig? I'm just or? fascinated. I, I like the way, like, this is really, really trivial now, but a certain actress we worked with had a, 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 an expensive wig on a movie we did, and it accidentally got sent to, like, Haiti. And we had to send, like, a PA to, like, find this wig that was, like, stuck in customs. And then we created, like, an Instagram meme of what we thought the wig was doing. Like, if it was, like, on the beach, like, sipping. Just the culture around, like, wigs is funny to me. We're getting a really insightful Sorry. look at <laughs> no, the life of a producer. Yeah, exactly. So this is very helpful. Sexy. Very yeah. helpful. Hi, I'm Gail. Uh, I'm working at Kinology. I'm a sales agent and uh, in charge of acquisitions, along with Grégoire Melin. I'm a partner now. We created the company, Grégoire created the company nine years ago. 
Um, I'm also a producer, uh, created my company Fluxus Films four years ago. I'm doing shorts only, but I have three features in development. Um, what I can tell you is that uh, we work on uh, several genre films, several nationalities, of course, with sales agents. Uh, from established filmmakers, for instance, um, we've been working with Michel Gondry, Quentin Dupieux, uh, David Cronenberg. We're about to sell the next Terry Gilliam movie and Leo's Carax, so it's not Colette, but it's Annette. Um, and the trivial thing is that I feel like a singer from the 70s with this uh, wire and mic. <laughs> Um, hello, I'm Justin Torrent. Um, I produce uh, with my company Les Films du Bélier that I founded about uh, a little bit more than 10 years ago. Um, it's, uh, yeah, in France we, we have a particular system with the short films. Uh, it's um, uh, very different from, from here. You really have uh, Finance, uh, financing system. Um, so I, st I really started by, by doing that with the directors and, and uh, I grew up with them and uh, little by little, uh, year after year, we, we, we went to feature films. And uh, so, so yeah, the, the first feature I produced were the director I met when I was very young, starting with short films. Um, and um, yeah, here I'm, uh, presenting Here the Living, a uh, film by Catal Kilivere, um, with whom I work for a very long time. Um, and uh, yeah, and the trivial, I'm just a zombie today, sorry. So maybe it's trivial. Welcome. It's, yeah, because of the travel. Fair enough. <clears throat> hey, I'm Nathan Silver. Um, I've directed eight feature films, and my last film we shot in Paris over the summer. So it was a co-production um, between the U.S. and France, and it was very difficult. <laughs> we're going to come back to that. Yes. Uh, I guess a trivial thing, I got these shoes in Paris. Uh, they were very expensive, but they were well worth it because my DP recommended them. And they're still holding, they're holding up. They're not really, though. No, are you they see, falling apart? Yeah, they're falling apart. And, uh, oh, I see that. Yeah, your yeah. seam is breaking. There. I walk too much. Very good. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Nicholas Elliott is translating. That's why he didn't speak. You might speak shortly. Um, well, this panel, the description of the panel asks us to discuss both strategies and challenges of international co-productions from the creative to the technical to everything in between. So that could include wigs at some point. Uh, it probably will include travel, and it might also include challenges of production uh, in Paris, which we'll get to in a minute. But I think maybe to get the to get this conversation started, and I'll ask anybody who wishes to go first, we don't need to go in order, um, to maybe talk about, to, to get to the, the kind of concept of the panel, um, something, uh, give us an example of how international co-productions can be valuable, um, and give us an example of how an international co-production can be challenging. Uh, you can use a general, you can generalize, or you can use a specific example uh, from an experience you've had, uh, but it might be a way for us to understand sort of, uh, again, at the core of the panel, these strategies and challenges of international co-production. Are you going to go first? Sure. Um, I think that the, inter the it's tempting from an American perspective. When we were first coming up um, as producers trying to understand the sort of ways of financing, it seemed like Europe had these great um, programs in place for fi financial support. And um, <clears throat> ultimately, there, it took us a while to, real, to, to understand that that whole system is designed to keep Americans out, um, for the most part. I mean, except for the spend-based systems in Germany, perhaps, or, and that it's actually very tricky and time-consuming and, and really favors um, European producers and European companies. So that is like, you know, challenge number one. Um, Within France, especially, there's a cult there's definitely cultural requirements that come with the co-production. What do you mean by that? I mean, it essentially, has to be a French-based production or a European be take take place in within Europe um, or or co-production within treaty co-production. There's treaty there's there's actual legal treaties between countries. America has none um, <clears throat> because we have Hollywood and um, 
And uh, we're actually not that dependent upon funding from international sources as an industry. And no, so our lobbying efforts are not really even pr pushing for that here in America. We don't have a whole lot of influence. I, I sense within, within Europe that, that producers that, are, that have a tremendous amount of experience, like Christine or, or Pam, have more direct sort of almost responsibility within their um, legislative you know, environment um, in Europe than here. We have no influence at all um, in, on, on policy. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's just one, that's just the way of the world, I think, uh, or the way of the U.S. Um, I, I, there's really great benefits because, I mean, having worked there, um, we typically worked just according to where the films were set. And if there was some way to, to, like filmmakers in America who wanted to work internationally or their stories were being told in different countries or about exploring or about some experience that the character was going through in a different country, um, that was really appealing to both Lars and myself because we love adventure. Um, and trying to produce a movie without ever having set foot in the country or without being in the country is its own sort of feeling your way around in the dark. And that is its own challenge. And I think that that was something that was quite appealing to us. Um, what's great about it is getting to work with other people and other sort of work cultures and other businesses that are in Europe and, and getting to know the world at large and different production, production approaches, I think, and new talent. Um, yeah. So to me, it feels quite porous in terms of talent and story, but just not financially. Mm. I mean, there's like a point system, I think, for it to qualify as a French film, and if, um, because the director, the writer, the cinematographer on our movie, um, and the lead actor, um, we were all American, we couldn't qualify as a French film. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, it's much easier for French films to sell in France. Like, I think the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if it's a French film, this, the distribution company gets something from the government, right? You get money. Yeah, it's um, it's um, the the old the the old system in 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 France. The the, the main fi uh, financing system is based on on this uh, uh, called the l'agrément, the agreement, the French agreement. And one key to this agreement is the European uh, qualification, uh, which uh, is uh, uh, artistic, like artistic but also technicians but also equipment that give uh, uh, certain points like you have 18 points and you need to have 14 points uh, to get this qualification uh, and a director at three points for instance so if you have an American director uh, you can you can have one point uh, uh, like uh, abroad but uh, but else you, you don't get this qualification and uh, and the treaty that you were mentioning uh, there are something that was uh, built uh, to to promote co-production uh, so there are like uh, like uh, around 60 treaties with with countries and um, it's uh, it's uh, it makes that, uh, for instance, uh, a Canadian uh, a Canadian director with this treaty became European, so he gets the point. Uh, uh, but with an American uh, American director, you don't have this treaty, so he can't be a Europe, uh, uh, European. And um, and and yeah, if you have this French agreement, it's uh, many things uh, de depend from that. Uh, uh, Fundings that, that that you have, but also distributor, um, they have like three uh, three di different um, grant, three different uh, different uh, public subsidies that they, they can get through um, through these. And if they don't on uh, uh, on some fragile uh, films, they they really need to to get that to 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 find a balance at the end. So if they don't have that. They could say it's too risky, so we don't go, so we don't put money in the film. Um, yeah, so so it has uh, consequences uh, on also on the distribution. Yeah. Yeah. We found that, and yeah. so we 
we ended up getting all of, uh, we got private equity mostly from the US. And, mm -hmm. um, but we, it was frustrating for the French crew at first. I mean, we had, a great, we had great French producers who had worked in the US before, so they understood um, like the mentality here, but it's so different over there, and the working days are so short. And like I said, I could shoot this feature in uh, 15 days, and they said, like, a short film? Like, I was like, what do you talk? No, I shoot all my features in 15 days. Like, um, and, you know, I lied. I lied to them, and I said that the days would be 10 hours or however many, eight hours, I forget the, I lied, and I said, oh, yes, of course, but it, we went, sometimes when we went to 15 hours, but because everyone was really into the film after the first few days, like, it was an exciting thing for most of them, you know? Most. Most. Um, and you know, it was, it was, we have, we had, I, I don't, I'm sure some of you know Sean Price Williams, he's a real character and he's, he, we'd be going DP, into, he's your DP. he was a DP and we, he's popular over there. We went to, uh, this bar constantly, Chez Jeanette, which I guess a lot of film people hang at Chez Jeanette, right? Chez Jeanette, yeah. Um, and people would recognize him or be talking about like Frownland and he'd overhear them and he'd be like, it was very weird. Um, so it was exciting for them to have him as part of the um, crew, and then we managed to get really good French talent, but it was very difficult at first, and I felt like I was a bridge being walked over because I was constantly going between uh, you know, the American side and the French side and trying to put out fires. Was that 15-hour day sustainable over the course of the... No. No, I mean, that was, there was, one, that was one day in particular. That was a, a bad day. I mean, most days... It, it was like a 12-hour day, kind of a more or less a standard American day right, for me. 15 hours of crew will walk in Paris. Yeah. So you shut down your set. Yeah, I mean, I'm it was... I'm surprised that didn't happen to you. It they, almost... They will cut the light. Yes, yeah, I mean... Stop, they'll just shut it, it all off and say, going home, goodbye. Exactly. I mean, it was a it was a Which rough is totally walk. unheard of here. I mean, just like... Never. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're doing. On my first, uh, it was uh, my first shooting as a producer. I was uh, very young and naive and innocent, and it was uh, it was, uh, uh, it was a short film. So so there was not uh, big stakes. Like everyone was there almost for free and and doing things. And uh, and there was a moment we were shooting very late in, in the night, and uh, and the chief electrician cut the light. And, he moved. That was a good experience to start. But also, I guess, for a French producer, I mean, uh, it can be also very scary, I guess, to shoot in the US. I've never produced in the US, but from the, uh, the uh, stories we can have from Alain Attal, uh, who is the producer of Guillaume Canet, who shot Blood Ties, I mean, it, it's such a different way of uh, thinking the shooting also to have there's, a, there's guilds, there's uh, the location permits also that can cost a lot. Um, I mean, since there's no treaty between France and the US really, it's, it makes of course everything's more complicated or you need to find your, most of the time you do only uh, uh, production service in the US when you have a French movie or you create your own company in the US. I mean, it's, um, you need to find ways uh, to shoot in the U.S., but yeah, the approach is totally different, I guess. What do you think, David? What was the question? What is a good thing and a bad thing? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, Sorry. the premise of the panel was really the <laughs> strategies and challenges of international co-production, so maybe give us the gamut, you know, yeah. what, what can be good about an international co-production? I echo what, what Jay said, actually, which is, I, I didn't think of it so clearly that it, it's designed to kind of keep you out, so we still make a lot of our films because it just has to be there. And that can be a story reason like Colette where it's, it's a period that you just can't create here and yeah. we're not gonna get a big green screen for the whole movie. Um, but then we're making a movie in Spain purely because the two main actors live there. And they're like, well, we don't wanna, we wanna be home. So we're, we're like making, we're sort of like reverse engineering it in a weird way. Um, so it, the weirdest things sort of take us over there. But, um, but sometimes projects come to us because kind of what you just said, they'll, they'll need cast or there'll be an element or, or maybe they'll have a, a piece of it in New York and they'll be intimidated by the system or trying to get through the talent wall. Um, and so some, that's a lot of times how we get pulled in. But 
But up until recently, we weren't doing a lot of co-productions, but, but for whatever reason, they're bubbling up. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, but a treaty makes everything different. For instance, if we have a French film with a part in the US, and if there's a way we can cheat it and shoot it in Canada because we have a treaty, then we will do it. And, uh, but you do too. You cheat in Canada, no? Because they have some cheaper, cheaper area. But yeah, for sure. We need to, to find a way. Or to create a found that will be specialized in the European US projects. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, there, it, it exists uh, between some country. Uh, there is a, a fund between uh, France and Canada. There is another one between France and Greece, between France and Portugal. Um, there are some specific uh, grants from the National Center of Cinema to, yeah. So, who wants to put money? <laughs> Let's create a fund. I think, but, the, 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 the difficulty is the, a project that would be shot over here for under half a million dollars, would, the budget immediately goes to like 1.5 if you shoot in Europe just because of the way, because of the government grants, you know, and the, the uh, fees people expect and the amount of time it takes to shoot a feature. So it's, it's interesting to, like we kind of forced our way of working onto the French system and it was, I mean, it was very difficult and to... It was under a million, the budget, your budget? Yes, yes. Yeah. Because under a million, it's, uh, it's easier, you don't have to, uh, we have a, a treaty uh, with, um, we, we need to respect some, some salaries for, for the crew, but uh, there are three steps, like under a million, uh, you're very free, you just need to respect the general um, minimum wage uh, of France. Over a million and up to 3.5, there is uh, uh, in gris. Uh, a, 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 a scale of scale. Uh, salaries? And then, yeah, and over 3.5, there is another one, which is similar here. Yeah. yeah? I mean, with, within the unions and guilds, you have yeah. scaled sort of yeah. rates according to budget levels. Yeah. Um, we work with full Dawa in Paris for a six day shoot and they were totally amazing. It was very, it felt intuitive in terms of how our working styles, we'd become friends well before then, but the process, there were differences in the process of working with the AD and things like that and sort of some of the prep steps in pre-production, um, which our director was the first time director, he was just like so confused because <laughs> he just made, we'd shot the, a large part of the film in Las Vegas and then we, had our Paris unit, we accomplished a lot, a tremendous amount in six days. And um, it was a very, I don't, can't remember the exact number for the shoot, but it was a very low, it was disproportionately low. And um, aside from the difference in rhythm for pre-production, it was very close to what I would expect in a New York shoot. I think that the it, maybe it just was a different pro our production partner, or but I felt like there was a there's a they were they come up working on shorts and doing some service productions for the U.S. and and you kind of felt like there was this mentality among the crew who are excellent. I mean, just totally excellent, and um, that um, that they were just game for it, except for when we were going into like you know our 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. This, the, different, the other difference that was strange to me was that they that the French crew, the French observe lunch and dinner at you know around noon and around 6 p.m. regardless of when your call time is. And I don't know if you, if you guys know if this is like getting too technical, but in the U.S., if you're whenever you're, if your call time's at 3 p.m., your lunch is six hours later. You know, and so you're gonna have lunch, you're gonna have like a breakfast, but then a, your lunch is at 9 p.m. You know, in, in France, you'd have lunch at like seven. You know, it'd be three, call it three, and, and then- And you have the, well, Or dinner, it'd be considered dinner, and it'd be a very yeah. nice dinner. And you have to, and you have to offer, you have to offer alcohol. And well. wine, yeah, you have a glass yeah, of wine. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of the I, old time, I, but I, it was. I like that, and you know, there's, there's a quality to it. I think it was actually written into, you, it's at one point. You have to. The contract, yes. right? Yeah, it's you in the contract for, yeah, but it comes also from an old 
time and, and the, the young technicians today, they are a bit different. They don't drink. Yeah, we didn't have alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did not. I, no. You know. I mean, we snuck alcohol sometimes. But but. There are differences in the process, I agree with you, but also in the power, because uh, obviously yeah. in the US you have more power given to the producer. Like, um, I had yes. some stories from crews from the US shooting in Paris, and each time they would have to make a decision, they would turn around to the producer when in, in France. It's on the director. Director is really free yeah. to yeah. lead the whole crew, yeah. That, that was new to me, too, because we were very, I was, I'm accustomed to being very involved as a producer, um, not to constrain people, but just to understand and guide and make sure that resources are being balanced out on the set and that we're doing what we're setting out to accomplish and more or less like protecting the director or adding that extra layer of support for the director, um, which requires being really close creatively, you know, and understanding their creative priorities. Um, and um, we didn't run any, I haven't worked with the French director, so I wonder if I would even be compatible with someone who has, who is so, is so independent, you know? And I would feel like, well, okay, cool. Yeah, sometimes I guess you can feel left out also yeah, because... Like during the shooting, you mean? Yeah, huh? yeah like yeah. during the shooting. Yeah, but me, for instance, I, I don't... Uh, I mean, there are American directors like this, too. I, I, I mean, don't go, uh, I, I go on certain um, decisive moments uh, of the shooting, but I don't like to. I don't like to be there all time long. Uh, I'm bored, but I, I watch uh, the the rushes every day, and uh, and I and I talk about that with the director uh, every day. And uh, uh -huh. but uh, being on the set, um, yeah, it can be really boring. Yeah. But there's a challenge when you have mixed teams. Like we we produced fully a film that is called Overdrive, which is a big. A uh, car chasing movie of 25 million euros, and we have uh, Scott Eastwood who flew to Paris, to Marseille, where we shot everything. And uh, the director is American as well, and that was uh, really challenging because whenever there was a decision, the actors would turn to the director, uh, to the producer, when the whole crew would turn to the director, who was American. So that was a bit like, okay, who. That's strange. That and then for the, the actors to, to, to look to the producer I, I, is not usual. That's just yeah. really unusual for, from an American perspective. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah that's sure. weird. Yeah, yeah, it's un, it's 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 unusual. Um, typically, they are all they are looking to the director for all the creative decisions, but the producer can be very involved in helping communicate or helping lead the yeah. sort of logistical. What I need to precise is that the producer was Pierre Morel, who was also the second unit director. So okay, since it. the producer, okay, so, so since the director, the lead director was younger, then they would turn to Pierre. Got it, mm. got it, got it, there you go. Well, I want to talk about the creative side for a minute, but I think maybe one way to hit that would be to talk about the conversations between a producer and a director at an earlier stage of a process, maybe when you're making those decisions about whether you can um, take a film to another country, whether it be from France going to America or America coming uh, to France or deciding to go to Canada, um, how, as a producer, you're having these conversations with your director about um, if a director is adamant about making a creative decision that you as a producer have to kind of push back on if you're evaluating the possibility or the need for an international co-production. What kind of conversations are you having at the very earliest stages of a project to make that decision ultimately about what path you're going to go? Um, like, like you, uh, I'm not sure I understood everything. Like, you mean if, if we need to decide to have a certain kind of partners uh, abroad or to shoot in, in a place? And I guess a little bit about whether there's a, there's a negotiation that has to happen very early in the process between a producer and a director yeah. about whether you as a producer can help them achieve maybe the opportunity or the, the experience that they, that they might you know, be adamant about, perhaps. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I think so. I can answer this. I mean, we think of it. I mean, generally speaking, like um, what I, whether or not it's explicit or not, I mean, it's something that what you're talking about, like whether or not to shoot in a different country, of course, that's explicit. But the approach that I have in mind is understanding the essential creative oh. needs, essential, like, 
I learned this from Paul Mazze. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to take credit for it. I mean, I think, I think and, it, and, it's, and it's actually really liberating in the conversation but for how, what the needs of the film are from the director's perspective, like a, if you're going to shoot in a different country because it's set there, is to look at the five essential elements of the film that need to be protected, that need to be accomplished for it to be the film for that director. And that could be anything from shooting on, you know, the format that you're shooting on to a location, to, a, to a, an actor, to, you know, a set piece scene, but understanding how, what, that these are at least, it could be more than five, but at least like you have that, you know what you're holding on to. Um, and it helps open the conversation up so it isn't so much a, it never really gets, you're not, you're no longer an antagonist or you're not just representing the time and the money, you're talking about how do you support the things that the director actually wants to, to do and it opens up the conversation into so much more. Um, it could be that the, it was written for a country but it might actually function in a different country. Um, or it could be written for Paris and still it could, the action could take place in New York. Um, and, and, or like the, the film itself could be set there. So I think it, it, it's important to go into those types of discussions with the director exploring the options, but with a shared, developing a shared understanding of what's like truly important for the film. Um, because you're gonna, you're gonna start cutting into, the, those, those, are, those things eventually will become threatened by lack of resources not having enough money. Um, and um, anyway, it helps align you. I mean, we wrote our, Chris Wells is over there. He and I wrote our movie for Paris. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was either that or no movie. And I had uh, become close to some French producers and they were very excited about it. And we didn't want to wait around uh, to apply for any grants that are available for, um, for foreigners. But um, so we just... For, through some miracle, we were able to raise enough money within the span of like 10 months and shoot when we, uh, when for our target date. Mm -hmm. But it was like, there was no question it had to be Paris. The only question was there are some scenes in upstate New York and we were gonna try and shoot those in France and we decided not to. Um, so we did two days in New York and I wish we'd just done them in Paris. Oh, really? Yeah. For, uh, for us, I think there's a range of, of how we address that, and it can be the incredibly well-researched. In the case of WASH, which was visiting a lot of different countries, and sometimes various film commissions will, will help finance that or set that up. But I like the word you used, resources. We kind of stopped using the word money, so it's just because resources is this more kind of like abstract thing. But WASH, there were certain cities that worked creatively better, and helping him understand Budapest had uh, better infrastructure and the crews and finding a way to kind of like nudge in there between some giant Marvel movie and get all these amazing technicians, you know, at a, at, in their time off because we're relatively quick movies compared to those. And then on the other side of things, I, on the movie we were going to do in Madrid, I'm getting text messages from Todd Solons about how it's going to be too hot in July, so we just can't shoot then. It's like, okay, well, that'll, that'll dictate that then. Like, Todd will be hot. But, but then everyone kind of accepted that at the same time, and then the actors kind of agreed. But you kind of don't know what, what you're going to get. But, but helping Wash pick Budapest was, was really eye-opening, and, and it had to do with really drilling down on, on what it means you know, from all angles, not just the kind of like tech scout. Yeah. Um, I want to leave time, and um, don't be offended if Justin leaves at some point, because I think you have to do an intro in a few minutes. But... Stay as long as you can, and we won't be offended if you have to leave. Very soon. Yeah, very good. Um, I want to give the audience a chance to ask a couple of questions before uh, some people do have to leave. Maybe um, we said it was very uh, restrictive, the, the, the fi fi financing system in, in France, but there exists... Uh, uh, there, ex <laughs> there exists some things. Um, like you, you have a grant from the CNC uh, called Cinema du Monde, um, which uh, is meant to support uh, film in another language than French, and uh, and the US uh, is uh, totally eligible. But uh, I, 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 I asked them um, because I noticed that only two films uh, in five years were supported. 
when you have uh, maybe 50 films every year that are supported by, by this grant. Uh, and, and they just told me it's uh, uh, just that we, we only had like maybe 12 uh, propositions. So two out of 12 is not so bad as the ratio is not less than other countries. So, uh, so it means maybe that uh, there are some links that could, uh, that could uh, be stronger between uh, French and, and American co-produ uh, producer. Um, and, um, and there is also another system which is a um, uh, uh, tax credit, uh, international tax credit. Uh, that makes it possible to, to get when you come to shoot to France, uh, that makes it possible to, to, to get some money uh, out of what you spend there. Yeah, we, we yeah. did that. You, you did that. Yeah. yeah. Keeping an eye on the clock for you. Um, I want to give the audience a chance to ask a couple of questions. Uh, do we have, I think we have a couple of microphones. We'll start here in you. the front row. Thank you. I had a um, kind of a double question here. First of all, I didn't know what you meant by talent wall that you ran into. And the second question, how important are the writers on a film? How much leverage do they have or how much importance do they have in uh, France and other um, European countries as opposed to the United States? If you could do a comparison on that, that'd be interesting. Talent wall, I meant uh, accessing kind of traditional Hollywood talent and, and dealing with agencies and th that kind of a thing. It's, it's, a, it's a culture unto itself. Um, yeah, in, in France, I, I think they have uh, much less power than in the US uh, uh, in the system. Uh, maybe comes from um, a cultural thing um, that uh, started with uh, La Politique des Auteurs and, and La Nouvelle Vague in France that really put the director uh, in the center of the creative process. And I think uh, the consequence was also to weaken uh, the status of the writers, for instance, in France. So, um, yeah, the, uh, you, you have, it's a bit schizophrenic because the, the whole uh, financing system is based on the script in France. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's not really considered and it's uh, more the director that uh, has full power uh, in, yeah, in the but system. We also, we, sorry, but we also need to precise that the, after the new wave, most of the time in France, and I guess unlike the US, the writer is also most of the time automatically the director in France. I mean, yeah. there's collaborations, but that's yeah, very but interesting also, to see. Yeah, but yeah. there are um, many times we, we, have, uh, we have trouble to, to find uh, good uh, script writers in France, and many times we have great uh, script writers that stop to, be, to do that to direct their, their film because uh, the recognition is uh, so low that uh, their interest can, maybe I'm projecting things, but their interest is to, to go to a place where they are considered, maybe. But, um, and which is different, different in, the, in the TV field where, in, in France, where, where the script writer um, uh, is, uh, is the center of the system more than the director. I need, I need Justin, I think yeah. it's time for you to go across the street. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Thank you Justin. Um, let's take a few more questions from the audience. Uh, just raise your hand and we have a microphone for you. Don't be shy. Yes, go to the other side. Hi, um, so you were talking obviously about how difficult it is to achieve a co-production with the US um, and, and a European country, but I guess it's not impossible. Um, is, is the difficulty because of the lack of treaty? Um, if, for example, there was a film being made in the US with European characters, um, would that be, uh, would, would there be a possibility of funding from Europe for that, or again, sort of, is that 
completely dependent on the, the country and whether there was a treaty. Does the US have treaties with any European countries? The US does, doesn't have treaties, but there are certain, if the director is, um, let's say, Danish, for example, then yes, then it's possible. It's not, um, it's not automatic by any stretch. Um, the question I think we kind of run into is like, is it cost effective? Um, you can do it, I mean, I think Miranda July did a, a film that was technically a German co-production with Razor Films, and they brought German crew over. And um, they did run into some issues on that with the unions in Los Angeles, and, and but ultimately they were able to get through it. Um, and uh, but I'm, I don't know how if if the film wouldn't have just commanded it, the financing anyway for the same budget, um, and whether or not it was the best source of financing for the film, I, I don't know firsthand. But that's a precedent example where you can hire out of Europe. You're cover, you're at, you're, you have greater costs for travel and accommodations, obviously, for that crew, and their rates may be a little higher, so. Um, but, and it, but, but within Germany, most places in Germany, it required, I mean, most co-productions also require distribution um, uh, involvement and probably a broadcaster. So you're, so it's, it's not, I don't know that it's something that, it's, not, it's very uncommon for those reasons. But it is indeed possible, but it's very rare. There's another example, which is Louder Than Bombs. Yeah, Louder Than Bombs. Trier as well. And, uh, this Norwegian cash. Exactly. But it was fully Norwegian shot, yeah. yeah. Shot here. And that benefited the budget of the film. I mean, they, they had a lot of money from Norway. And also French. It was French, French as well, because there's yeah, Isabelle Huppert, so that's a couple of points here. Right. <laughs> She should get an extra point just because she's Isabelle Luper, I think. <laughs> extra point. Let's go over to the side. Hi. Um, I have a question for the American producers. Um, is it interesting for you to have a French sales agent for your films? And if so, um, what would be the interest for you to do that? What would be the, 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 the parameters for you to be um, handling your films for international sales to a French sales agent? I mean, I feel like almost all the sales agents, all the international sales agents are French. <laughs> or many or of them are, or German. I mean, I feel like... Um, I'm, I'm agnostic as far as the country goes. I mean, I, I, it's really about the people, and it's really about the, co the company itself and getting to know each other and working together. And I've worked with... Um, we haven't worked together, but I've worked with Memento, and I've worked with um, protagonists. I've worked with, I've worked with sales agents in various countries. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know that there's a true benefit to one or the other. It's really about the people. Yeah. You know, I, I like French sales agents. Yeah, I love French sales agents. <laughs> they, I mean, you know, a lot, of sale, a lot of European sales agents helped show me the ropes in when, we were, when I was first going to Rotterdam and arriving in Berlin and didn't know my way around or anybody. And, and, I, and I felt very, thankful to them, like, like Emily from Memento and, and Michael from Match Factory and, you know, yeah, so, I, mean, I, I really had no idea what was going on. Down here. Are there any benefits to being an American working in Europe, like an American director and if you're a dual citizen, do you get to kind of pick and choose when you're European and when you're American? Um, I mean, is there, are there benefits? I mean, maybe to get a different lifestyle, better, probably wine with quality dinner. of life benefits, um, maybe in terms of your professional. Wine with dinner. Uh, yeah, wine, wine with dinner. nicer production uh, environment. The, um, in terms of, uh, you, thinking more in terms of your professional trajectory, and, and I, I think so. I mean, I, I think it's your, I, I mean, there's, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know. But, the, but in terms of, I, I would think so, but then I could think of the counter argument, you know? I, uh -huh. Like, um, depends on the reason why you're there. You know, if you're telling stories that are coming from you in a real way, um, in, in a way that you feel, and you're connected with people that you want to be working with, then yes, 
there's a great benefit to being there. Um, if, um, if that's where it is for you as an artist. Um, in terms of your citizenship, um, if you're a dual citizen, I think you can take advantage yeah, of the passport and it's easier to move there. And, establish, and it depends on whether or not you have to establish residency in a country. And I think that could be done pretty quickly if you have the passport. There's also a great system for short films in France because unlike the feature film, if you're a foreigner and you want to shoot in English fully in France, you can get grants if your company, the production company is French. I've produced a short film that is entitled Coach. It's a UK, it's not US, but uh, UK out of Europe. UK filmmaker shooting fully in English with UK actors in France and we got uh, 100K to shoot the short film in France. And I did the same in Portugal, shot entirely in Portugal, in Portuguese language with a Portuguese director. And it's a co-production with Portugal, but we, get f we got fully financed from France. Which is not true for the feature, it's a different, it's a different system except Cinema du Monde, but there's a list of countries. But for, f for short films, it's a great system, I think. For me, working in France was my best shooting experience. So, I mean, but that was just, just happened to be that way. Maybe just one or two more questions. Back over here. Um, I was kind of wondering how you navigate in um, a film about Colette that you're filming in Bulgaria. Uh, and with Kira Knightley, Knightley, and what are kind of the incentive in doing a co-production like this? Well, a lot of what pulls us into a co-production is sort of like the long tail of chain of title. So in this case, we already, it, it all, the rights to, that led us to the script that we're using that Wash wrote traces all the way back to the BFI. So that already kind of pulled us that way. So we got, we made a, uh, we're doing co-production there with Liz Carlson, who we did Carol with, which is actually also a co-production, though it sort of doesn't look or act like one in a traditional way. Um, and so we were able to get a lot of incentives that we were getting a lot of money uh, from the BFI. And then just creatively, we had to be, you know, the time period, we couldn't recreate it. So we looked at doing it in France. We looked at doing it in, um, oh, Pam went on another scout. Now I can't remember where she went, but um, Prague, actually. Yeah, Prague. But, um, but yeah, once we became the co-pro, it just, it, it, it accessed, or created a, a space for us to work in. And we, we're actually requiring, very, it's, a, it's an interesting financing plan because we require very, very little US equity, which is rare for us. Um, that's usually the largest piece on the movies we do. Maybe one last question. We're kind of out of time, but I think if we can, if someone else has one last one. Who wants to ask the last, very last question? Um, why don't I ask uh, everybody on the panel to tell us about something you haven't mentioned yet that you're working on, um, or you what you're you might want to share with this group? Something that's 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 taking a project that's uh, that's taking up a lot of your your uh, mental or physical uh, resources at this moment. Um, I'll, I'll say something that's related to that. I think that um, I think it's important. I mean. The, the, we haven't really talked about the digital single market that is likely to arrive in Europe if the EU survives. And I, I just want to say that all this talk about you know, co-productions with America, I think that the, Ameri the national cinemas or the regional um, media should be preserved. And, and, and I really respect the national and French and German and Scandinavian and Italian and different, different cinemas. And I wouldn't want to see that compromised as a result of the changing digital infrastructure in Europe. Um, and, but that's something, that's a segue into saying that's something that's like occupying a tremendous amount of my time. I think, there's a, the, I think what we're seeing in the US is a revitalization of the specialty marketplace through um, innovative marketing, like in theatrical marketplace, through innovative marketing online. And I would, I would advise you to focus your attention on that as the, you know, the near future and having great impact in any country. Uh, the biggest thing taking up my time, we're doing a pop musical this summer. Uh, and so I don't know anything about that. 
and how music works. And it's been the most intimidating experience really? I've ever had. Yeah, I ordered like a stack of books on Amazon because uh, it's so complicated. Writing the songs and the licensing and all the different producers on every song. Being, producing music, it makes what we do, I feel like, look easy. It's so convoluted. Um, so that's been interesting. Maybe do a panel on music next year. Okay, <laughs> good suggestion. Wigs and music. Yeah, uh, music as well, because we are producing the new Leos Carax movie, which is a musical as well. It's called Annette. And on, my, um, on the markets that I attend, where I do my job is to sell, um, it takes a lot of our time because it's, um, it's a very complicated co-production structure where we have five countries involved and it's, uh, uh, Switzerland is, is, is carrying the uh, money on behalf of Japan. I mean, it's, it's really, really interesting to... Uh, to get into this, and it's going to be a 15 weeks shooting, uh, so it's forever. So it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> you get the last word. Um, well, I'm finishing Thirst Street right now. We're doing. Uh, Tell us a tiny bit more about it. Um, well, it's uh, it's about a flight attendant who a U.S. flight attendant who on a layover in Paris uh, falls madly in love with this bartender. And it becomes this tale of her obsession with him, and um, it's gonna. It'll be a uh, Tribeca, and so we're finishing that up, um, editing another feature called The Pervert that I co-directed with this guy Jack Dunphy, and then I'm working on a web series that would have Esther Garel, who's in Thirst Street, and some other French actors come to New York, and then I'm starting a company with Chris Wells called Modi Production Company, and we're working on a film called Two Planes and a Fancy by Lev uh, Lev. And Whitney, cool. so a lot. As usual for you. Yeah, and also uh, there's a prank show I'm developing with hopefully with uh, Jack Dunphy as well for TV station. A prank show. Yeah, a prank show and a romantic uh, comedy kind of all twisted up. That's the last word. Um, <laughs> thank you to everybody for today's panel. Thank you. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>